What is up, everyone? Locked on Irish podcast. Good to go for a Thursday edition. Let's get after it. The official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Greg Schaefer, your lead host, getting this Thursday show rocking and rolling here. I'm actually recording on a Wednesday evening, uh, about a one minute to go in this bludgeoning uh, Maryland over Notre Dame, 72 to 50. That's the reason I started recording early. Instead of waiting until in the morning, I was ready to go. A lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, wow. Just just wow. Um, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, again, follow us at Locked On Irish on Twitter for all the latest with the show, all the latest Irish football, Irish basketball news. Soon we'll be getting into maybe a little bit of hockey as well. Um, of course, we'll be talking some lacrosse as the spring gets here. Going to be some good stuff. Going to definitely be uh, getting this show really, really rocking and rolling. Trying to get some of uh, guests on here very soon. So it should be a lot of fun as we really start building this thing up. Me and Mark and uh, Will should be should be a good time. Uh, hopefully you guys will really like the show once we get it to exactly where we want it to be. So on today's show, Notre Dame, Maryland. Yeah, we're going to be talking about it as it finishes up here. 50.7 seconds left in this one, down by 22. That's went about ha- as I expected. Um, we've also had a transfer from the program. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, playoff rankings came out uh, yesterday. Uh, well, Tuesday, I guess, if you're listening to this on the Thursday edition. Um, sitting there at 15, stuck on 15. We'll talk about that probably in the second segment. And, um, you know, Camping World, uh, I mean, it's happening. The Camping World Bowl is happening um, we'll talk about the potential opponents there, and then, unfortunately, not not a positive show today. Um, tragedy struck the university once again as far as uh, former student-athlete passing away, George Adkinson, one year, roughly one year after his brother passes away, twin brother. Both played for the Irish football team, and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit, but, um, you know, also just really made me think about just kind of some tragic stuff, just negativity that struck that 2012 team. So we'll definitely get to that in the third segment. Just going down the list, some things that really stood out to me. Um, but Notre Dame, Maryland, let's talk about it. Uh, poor shooting game in the first half, really, by both teams. Um, it was it was ugly early. Um, five minutes to go in the, in the first half, and it's, you know, it's within striking distance. You know, it looks like we're able to kind of compete because, well, for one, Maryland's just not playing that good. Uh, bottom line. They were not playing that good to start this game out. Uh, they weren't shooting well, neither were we. I think they missed something like their first nine three-pointers, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, and we had, there was a point there that, you know, we took the lead. Things were looking okay. It looked like this was, you know, again, things were looking okay. And, you know, we just can't shoot. We were not athletic. We're not rebounding well. You know, John Mooney is a nice, nice player. Um, real quick, we just went final, uh, Maryland 72, that Notre Dame 51. Um, and, you know, when it, we have to be able to take advantage. If a team is shooting this far off on one side of the ball, we can't also be off. Um, there was a play just early in the second half. You know, we get the ball, we're in transition, and just out of nowhere, Prentice Hub just chucks up a three. And I heard the announcer say, you know, that's as good as a turnover. Um, 
you know, unless you're just lighting it up and you're heat checking, that's just as good as a turnover because obviously he missed it, and then Maryland comes back down the down the court and scores. Um, <clears throat> right now we're just not getting very much production outside of John Mooney. I mean, you know, he's given us everything he can give us. I, I loved the announcers really chatting up the fact that you know, oh my goodness, uh, you know, could John Mooney be on an NBA roster? I, I don't think so. Um, he may be able to spend a little time in the G League with some development, but, I mean, this is just not a good roster right now. Uh, one of the things I wanted to lead the show off with, I kind of forgot, but guess what? This isn't Fairleigh Dickinson. Now, albeit, this is a really good Maryland team. I mean, we're looking at a team that could probably, um, I, I, maybe Elite Eight, I think. I don't think this is a Final Four team. But as they said on the telecast there, you know, there's about 30 teams that could probably win it all this year. There's no there's no elite teams out there. There's a lot of really good teams, and they even used the example of Purdue just laying it on the best defensive team in the country tonight in Virginia. Um, you know, it's a problem when you cannot score. And when you shoot as poorly as we do, um, there was one point in the first half where Prentice Hub and Rex Fluger and Temple Gibbs were 0 for 10. And it just can't be. They had no points. They're 0 for 10. That's ugly basketball from from your veteran guys who you need to be able to lean on. And I really don't know what the answer is right now because especially with a team like Maryland, you know, they have this Jalen Smith in the middle, and Juwan Durham just doesn't seem to be able to compete with it. You know, he he had actually a pretty decent game tonight. You know, Durham led the way uh, in scoring for a, a little bit of the way, um, you know, shot relatively efficiently, four of seven. That's about as much as we've been expecting from him. Uh, had nine points, had a couple blocks in there. But, I mean, you know, this Jalen Smith kid, it was something else. I mean, it must be something in the name. But, uh, I mean, he just he had a really nice game tonight. And, and, you know, when you have somebody like a Jalen Smith with his size, athleticism, and can also stretch the floor – he also went two for three from th- three-point land. And then on the other side, you don't have that equivalent. I mean, you just don't. Uh, Durham is not a three-point shooter by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I don't know if it was in the game plan to take Cowan away. Anthony Cowan's their, really their best player. Uh, he didn't have a great night, but the other four starters went for double figures. I mean, eh, you know, and it wasn't like they were necessarily shooting the lights out either. They were just more athletic than us. It was just like, it was like North Carolina on, on, you know, steroids, if you will, as far as, you know, we we kept that game in check for a little bit. It, well, for the majority of the game, we were pretty much keeping it in check. This this got out of hand early. I mean, you could even see it in the first half that when we weren't taking advantage of Maryland's mistakes, you knew this was kind of going to be over. You knew where this was going because we don't have another gear right now. Um, you know, if we're not playing somebody like a Fairleigh Dickinson, we don't have another gear to just drop it into fifth and okay, we can do this for one night. Um, they, we've not seen it. You know, we had to have a miracle to beat Toledo. Really the only other team with a pulse outside of Maryland and North Carolina. Um, we're in trouble. We, we got to figure something out. Um, you know, Gibbs has been awful, awful. And I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I don't think we have the answer on this team. So he's going to continue to play based on being a senior and based on being relatively athletic, but he looks brutal. 0 for 11 tonight. Uh, no turnovers. Um, but, uh, you know, then you got Rex Fluger out there. Didn't even shoot the ball. Looks afraid to shoot the ball. 0 for 2. Only shot three-pointers. Had five turnovers. 
These are your seniors. These are your seniors doing this. And, you know, I praised Mooney earlier, but he went 5 of 12, um, not even 50%. And then you got Prentice Hub, who, you know, remember when we thought he could contend with Cole Anthony? Yeah, he went 5 of 15, uh, 13 points, 3 for 8 from behind the arc. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, this might not even be an NIT team, the where we're sitting right now. Uh, the schedule is going to get it. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm most interested in the game Saturday. I'll do a preview tomorrow of Boston College. Uh, not a very good basketball team. Uh, they're sitting at four and five right now. Uh, in fact, ESPN has us at an 86% chance to beat them. But, you know, it's another team with a pulse. They're an ACC team. Can we beat them? Can we, can we be that 86% better than Boston College? Because what we've seen tonight, it wasn't it. We ran into a team that, yes, albeit head and shoulders better than us, but, you know, again, we didn't go down. They played like crap initially. They did not play well at all, and we couldn't take advantage of it. We couldn't even go into halftime with the lead. We were down not only as bad as they played in the first half, they're still up 12 at halftime. It just put that in perspective. You I mean, it's awful. That was awful basketball tonight. Um, 6.52 left in the game tonight. The game is over. We had 38 points. We're not Virginia, clearly, when the other team has 63 at the same point in time. It's, you know, four minutes to go in the game, and we have 44 points, to put it in perspective. Um, you know, we're not rebounding well. We're not moving the ball well. Um, again, it's not Fairleigh Dickinson, guys. It's not Fairleigh Dickinson. And when you can't move the ball well against a team like this, or penetrate. We're not athletic enough to penetrate right now. This is going to be a long year. Again, I am extremely, extremely interested in just how um, just how we do against what's supposedly an inferior ACC opponent. So let's take a quick break. We'll get into the Doherty um, transfer here, um, and then we'll talk uh, some college football playoff rankings. Let's give a shout-out to our friends at DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurant come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from LockedOn sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. We will be right back. And we are back, locked on Irish Thursday edition. Uh, continue our discussion, Irish basketball. Um, again, Notre Dame, Maryland tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm recording on a Wednesday night for the Thursday show, but uh, it got so bad, I was like, this doesn't have to wait till morning. Uh, 72-51 was the final. Uh, just to kind of wrap up that discussion from news uh, from Tuesday, uh, Chris Doherty is transferring from the program. I have not heard where he's going to. Um thoughts on this transfer initial thought is just okay you got a guy averaging two and a half minutes uh, I don't see at one point a game not a not a huge loss uh, Massachusetts guy he was a three-star recruit probably the lowest ranked recruit in that, that particular class um, yeah I don't know guys I, here's my thing here's where I'm torn he's 6'8 235 that's a big body dude I mean that's a that's an impressive uh, specimen of a guy. I mean he's not fat by any stretch of the imagination or out of shape. Obviously, um, you know last season 
Uh, in total, he gave us nine points. Didn't really play. He played 42 minutes in 11 games last year. So didn't really get on the court. Wasn't really making much of a contribution. Um, I'm pretty sure he was the last scholarship guy off the bench. So he's looking for playing time. But this goes to a bigger picture is, are we just not able to develop these guys? I mean, 6'8", 235, I feel like we should be able to do something with that. And then, you know, we go back and look at a guy like um, uh, DJ Harvey. You know, DJ Harvey transferred to uh, Vanderbilt last year. Um, yeah, you know, it, I struggle with this because I think Harvey could have really helped this team. And now we're sitting here with, you know, I think eight scholarship guys left on the team, eight, nine scholarship guys the rest of the way. And, and you know, it. And, and bigger, bigger picture than that is, is Bray the answer anymore? I'm not, I'm not sure that he is. Um, you know, we've gotten so unathletic. Long gone are the days of Jerry and Grant and uh, Pat Connaughton and, and Vesturia to a certain degree was pretty athletic and D. Jackson and V.J. Beecham and, and going back to um, Ben Hansborough and, and Carlton Scott. I mean, we're not that athletic anymore. Um, it, it, it's rough to watch. I mean, unless we're shooting the lights out or we just get a team that we're just we're just superior than because, you know, look back at like a Robert Morris or somebody like that, or apparently from what I'm reading, you know, BC's not very good. You know, we're not going to be able to, our brand and style of basketball right now is not going to translate over many elite opponents because of our lack of athleticism. And that's extremely, extremely frustrating um, to think about, especially in a year that we really need to flip our record. We need to make the tournament this year. Um, and if we don't, for the second straight year, it'll be the first time Bray's not made the tournament two years in a row. We need to really start asking ourselves that question. Uh, is Bray the guy? And, you know, I'm not sure that he is at this point. He's not really showed the ability to, um, you know, apparently from everything Cole Anthony said and, and put out in his press releases and stuff, it sounded like, you know, we, we were in it till the end until he did pick North Carolina. You know, we were in it till the end. Um, but he's not really shown that he can bring in an elite, uh, um, uh, what I want to say, rated prospect. You know, he's brought in guys and got them developed, but he's not brought in anybody like a Cole Anthony. Now, I do apologize. Uh, Bray, it wouldn't be the first time Bray hasn't made the tournament in back-to-back -back years. If he doesn't make any tournaments, it would be the first time in back-to-back -back years. He did have that stretch from... 0304 to 0506, uh, where he went to the NIT every year. Uh, but, you know, it was still relatively successful. Um, and in 0304, went 19 and 13 and went had, ended up going to the NIT. And I think that's what we're looking for from this team. And then to take another step to maybe a Sweet 16 team in uh, 2020, 2021 is really what we're looking for from this team. But if he doesn't, it, it, again, NIT, I'd be totally satisfied with with this group. However, in, and then, of course, last year and the year before, he didn't make the tournament either. So truly, truly apologize for that. I meant the actual tournament or any tournament, any postseason tournament, NCA or NIT. Um, but, yeah, if he doesn't make the tour any tournament this year, we really got to start asking ourselves, is Bray the answer? Because I think Notre Dame's a good basketball job. I think it's definitely a good basketball job. I think we can... I think this could be an elite program in the country. There's no reason it can't be. Yeah, you can say all day long that, hey, Notre Dame's a football school. Absolutely. Don't disagree, but I'm sitting here right now, right after Notre Dame gets done playing, I'm looking at another school that's a 
football school, and they're in the top 10 right now, that being Ohio State. You look at another school like Florida, consistently, you know, in the tournament, they're, they're always looking at top top 10 appearances. They've won national titles. They brought in decent recruiting classes. It can be done. So, you know, I, I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know if it's a development problem, but I, I mean, I know it is at this point. We have to develop better. Um, and it's early. We're, you know, we're just into December, first week of December. Let's see how we look mid-January. Let's see if things have slightly started to turn around mid-January. So I'll wrap that up. You know, we do need to recruit better. We got we to gotta develop better. But again, I think it's a nice place to put a bow on basketball conversation because honestly, I didn't think I'd talk about it that long. Um, so uh, let's transition here. Let's talk college football playoff rankings for a couple minutes. Uh, still sitting at 15. We're stuck. I mean, I, I was on Facebook scrolling around today. Yeah, apparently Facebook's for old people from what I've been told. Uh, I had no idea. And of course, that's where like the largest amount of our followers are. So yeah, it is what it is. Um, that was on there earlier today. And I seen the Camping World Bowl. And a lot of these bowls, if you follow their pages, they'll release like every publication that's halfway reputable will release their bowl projections. And it's usually like eight to 10. I didn't count, but each one of them has us going to the Camping World Bowl. You like literally never see that. It's always just like, you know, at least one or two sprinkled in with something different, but every single one. And, you know, we needed to have cracked that top 12. We can't move. Um, even though it looks good right now, we have three ranked wins, albeit over 22, 23, and 24. But it's still three ranked wins. I mean, it's it's a solid, it's a, you know, solid resume, but unfortunately we've crapped our pants the two times we've really stepped up in competition. Uh, Michigan just above us at 14, and then, of course, Georgia at number four. Um, and I wouldn't really call Georgia crap in our pants, you know. <clears throat> really, it's one of the better performances by a Kelly coach team as far as the outcome. Close loss, you got the ball with a chance to win the game. I mean, <laughs> you can't really complain too much about that. You'll take that every day, um, being able to have a drive to win the game. We just, of course, big games, we couldn't necessarily pull it off. So uh, as far as opponents, again, it's Texas. Um, I guess Iowa State's basically out from everything I'm reading. So it's Texas, it's Oklahoma State. Now, I'm also seeing Kansas State. Uh, from that perspective, from the national narrative, we probably want to play Texas, honestly. Um, just because name recognition and and how much is the Camping World Bowl executives un unzipping their pants over the prospects of Notre Dame, Texas, and their bowl it's going to sell out. That's going to be a big ticket. I don't care that Texas is 7-5. and five. I do not care that Notre Dame is a possibly, you know, fake 10-2, and two, if you, if you want to go with that notion, uh, because, of you know, the schedule's been brutal. We've not had a great schedule. But, man, you can't tell me the Camping World Bowl execs at the beginning of the year were like, if you'd have told them Notre Dame, Texas, they would have, they'd have been like, you're crazy. What meth have you taken today? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to draw tremendously. It might be one of the best drawing bowls of, especially of the, of the next tier outside of the, uh, the new year six bowls. That's huge, huge for a bowl like the camping world bowl. But me personally, I want to see Oklahoma state, uh, Oklahoma state, in my opinion, is the better opponent. And, uh, Chuba Hubbard, man is a beast. I want to be able to watch this guy, uh, up close and be able to see just what he can do. And we've never played Oklahoma State before, is my understanding. Um, I think it'd be pretty cool. I like new and different opponents. Um, we've played Texas recently. We've played Texas 
um, over the last few years, you know, or a couple years ago, and then over the years, and I was in the 90s, we've played him a couple times. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to just see somebody different. Mike Gundy, he's a character. So, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't I would mind seeing uh, Oklahoma State and us match up. Um, again, uh, real quick to wrap this discussion up before we go to break is I, I, like a di- I like a different opponent. It's one of the reasons I'm going to the Arkansas game next year. I'm actually really stoked for that matchup. I wish Arkansas was better, but I know those people will travel. They, they, they love their team, and there's going to be a lot of excitement around them because that team's going to have a brand-new coach. Um, so we'll talk about that. I, I got on the docket to discuss in a future show, possibly in the next couple of weeks, just kind of reviewing the next two years opponent or next year's opponents and just kind of going down the list. So we'll get into that uh, on another show. So let's take a quick break and then let's talk about some tragic news that's hit the Notre Dame family right after this. All right, guys, we're back. Locked on Irish, your official Notre Dame podcast of the locked on podcast network. Uh, last segment here, going to talk a little tragedy, not a little huge tragedy, uh, just, man, prayers, love goes out to the Atkinson family. This is awful. Um, George Atkinson passed away. Um, we don't really have a cause, you know, he's 25 years, 27 years old. I apologize. Um, you know, it's hard to tell at this point. I'm not going to speculate, not, not on this show, not until we get something concrete, but Wow. Nearly a year after his brother passed away, um, overdose and his, um, you know, his mom passed away prior to, prior to what happened to Josh and just, just awful, extremely, extremely tragic. And the situation itself just really got me to thinking about the whole 2012 team and just some of the negative things that have happened. But, uh, you know, real quick, I do want to say that I cannot confirm that, uh, the overdose I know on Josh, I'd heard that, you know, it was a suicide last year, but I cannot confirm that. I had to pause even my recording there to confirm that. I know for a fact I've heard it, but I'm not sure that was the case. So please, please do not quote me on that because I cannot confirm that. Uh, if you have any insight, make sure to tweet the show. Uh, let me know how much of an idiot I am, first off, for mentioning that because this is extremely sensitive material. So, yeah, I apologize for that, but... You know, Josh just seemed like great kids. Actually, Josh, I <laughs> just weird story, weird encounter. Passed him on campus a couple times, just walking around. He was on his bike, I think, going to class. Um, but they seemed like really good kids, and you know, they never really panned out as far as the success we'd hoped for them. You know, uh, George was a was a track guy, um, had some incredible straight line speed, but you know, with a lot of track guys, they can't figure out that change of direction. You get in the open field, they're great. But unless they just have incredible vision or they have something else that can make them break tackles or whatever, um, sometimes it's tough for them to transition to the uh, to, to football. Um, you know, he did have kind of a cup of coffee in the NFL, hung around for about four years. Um, but as far as a stat line, he had some 271 return yards, um, a touchdown, uh, seven rushing attempts, 34 yards. Uh, just, just awful though. I mean, you always remember him for the return against USC his freshman year. Uh, he really just sealed the deal with a, the dagger touchdown against Miami in 2012, part of that 2012 team. Uh, Josh, on the other hand, you know, he never really, um, he didn't get on the field in too many meaningful minutes. Um, but you know, George played significantly in, uh, the 2013 season, got, got some nice time in there. Um, but man, I, I'm just really, when I seen that, I was like, don't be correct. Don't be right. 
Um, it was already bad enough what had happened with Josh and, you know, young guy like that, stuff like that happened. And, you know, it really, you can Google it, um, the letter that Josh put out or George had put out earlier this year, sorry, um, about, um, you know, struggling with the death of his mother and his brother and um, how he'd also dealt with some mental health issues. And, and also you feel awful for, you know, their dad, um, George Atkinson, the uh, second, you know, he's, lost his wife, his twin kids. This is just, just terrible. And our hearts are here at uh, Locked on Irish and prayers go out to the Atkinson family. And hopefully, you know, that they can find some comfort in all this. But again, it really kind of, you know, again, a bigger picture here is, is like, wow, that 2012 team, you know, the night we beat USC was really the height and peak. And it was kind of a steady decline for a lot of these guys. I mean, you look at, I mean, I'll just start right here. I mean, I'm on Wikipedia, so, you know, easy to follow along. I mean, yes, there's guys like Ronnie Stanley and Nick Martin and Zach Martin who's seen some success. And, and a lot of these guys that I'm going to bring up it, in no way compares to what's happened with losing a life. So don't take it that way. But you look at, like, Everett Golson suspended the next year. Uh, you look at a guy like Gunnar Keel, you know, Army All-American, uh, changed his mind a couple times, ended up at Notre Dame, and then had to leave, and his career never panned out. Um, you know, of course, we always talked about George Atkinson. Um, you look at a guy like Sierra Wood, who turns out he's a big piece of crap after what he, him and his girlfriend did to that little kid. Um, and just that awful stuff there. And then you got Devaris Daniels, who's actually doing pretty well, I've heard, in the um, CFL. But he was part of the Frozen Five that got suspended. Um, you look at a guy like, uh, who else am I? Devontae Neal, whatever happened with him after his freshman year. Uh, the old, uh, what did Devontae do? He transferred to Arizona and then just kind of kind of disappeared. Um, you know, Tyler Eifert to a certain extent, you know, with the success he had in college and now he's ouchy all the time in the NFL. I mean, just a ton, a ton of injuries. And then you look at a guy like Jake Golick, who got a sixth year, went down to Cincinnati. Just, and I think his back's probably wrecked at this point. Uh, Tate Nichols, uh, huge guy, six, seven, six, eight, depending on what publication you look at. Uh, you know, he had to retire from football. Um, Braxton Cave couldn't even couldn't hang on to an NFL roster. I and mean, again, none of this compares to what happened with the Atkinson brothers, but. It, I mean, just these guys, I mean, Danny Spawn had to retire. Eshaq Williams, part of the suspended Frozen Five. Kivare Russell, same way. Manti Teo goes without saying. I mean, that happened just a couple weeks later. It was like, you know, we beat USC. We're the number one team in the country. We're going to play Alabama for the national title, our first title since 88, in just a little over a month. And all this stuff happens. Eiler Hardy, part of the Frozen Five guys. I mean, it were suspended. Um uh, Kendall Moore. I mean, talk to a lot of people. He was the hardest hitting guy on that team, and that's saying something. Was suspended. Um, Tony Springman, big redheaded dude. I mean, that guy was a beast. Um, he had to retire from football. Uh, who else am I thinking? Oh, Kona Schwanky. God rest his soul. He, another player died. I mean, this there was a lot of just bad that happened with these guys. Low Wood. And uh, Andrew Hendricks ended up transferring. They went down to Miami, uh, Miami of Ohio, that is. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, then uh, so there's yeah, some other guys who had some positive things. CJ Procise switches positions, then in 2015 goes off, um, still in the NFL. 
So, you you know, you kind of look at a guy like that who's been successful. And, of course, Zach Martin's been successful. But, I mean, maybe we can do this with, with the whole crew one day and talk about this team and talk about that, right, you know, right after we beat USC and we're going to the national championship. Everybody's on cloud nine. ESPN's reporting from brothers. I'll never forget it. I was at my parents' house when this happened. Uh, we were all watching a game together. We're, we were the number one team in the country. This is great. Uh, you know, like I said, ESPN's at Brothers. Everybody's celebrating. Irish Nation's going crazy. And, you know, Manti Teo's up for the Heisman, a defensive player up for the Heisman. And then the fake girlfriend thing happens, the catfishing thing happened. The world learned what catfishing was. And it was downhill ever since. I mean, just all the names I ripped off there. Will Mahone was on this roster. He got into some trouble up there, transferred out, and... Uh, just never, never turned out to be the same, the same guy. I mean, just a lot of bad things happened to this roster. Prince Shimbo got kicked out of the league after he kicked his girlfriend's dog and killed it, or kicked off the Atlanta Falcons, and he never could get back on a roster. And then there's also some speculation about some certain things that might have happened with him when he was on campus up there. I mean, just a, just epic tragedy to the entire team. I mean, some way more tragic than others, but wow. And the more I talk about it, I tell you what, I really do look forward to revisiting this topic at some point with the rest of the crew to discuss the what just how, I mean, I don't know. The more I think about it, I'm not sure that I've seen a more just crazy things happen, you know, various ways and negativity to a team that had reached such highs. Um, just incredibly bad things and weird things that happened to this team. But uh, again, long story short, I mean, our prayers obviously go out to the Atkinson family. Just terrible. Um, and and George and Josh, you guys, you know, it, you know, I know Josh ended up transferring out, went to a community college out in California. But uh, you know, you you guys' contributions will never be forgotten to the university. Um, so uh, that wraps up this Lockdown Irish. Hopefully we'll get more positive tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to do a Boston College preview. We'll talk college football playoffs, my predictions for championship weekend. Uh, we'll kick off Friday evening with Oregon and Utah. Um, and who knows what else I'll come up with in the meantime. Um, but remember, follow us at Lockdown Irish on Twitter. Lockdown Irish is also on Facebook now. Make sure you're checking us out on there. Uh, we are the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. Man, I feel so good to say. Being part of a national network, and I'm your host. Oh, boy, you guys are all in trouble. <laughs> so, till tomorrow, go Irish.